if something gets fucked up, if you say something that you don't want to be heard on a podcast, mm -hmm. just tell me. And what I do is I pause it. And then later when I edit, I actually don't listen to the whole thing. I only go to the cuts. Okay. And I tweak it from there. I, I will not say anything. That, what can I not say? Is there anything I can't say? Not on my account. Oh, well, then hell. About, yeah. <laughs> you won't have to edit very much out then. I can uh, promise okay. you that much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'll, I'll speak quite freely. Welcome to episode 10, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It might be episode 9 of Decoding Cannabis, the podcast in which we're trying to solve the mystery behind the magical properties of marijuana. I'm your host, Erez Batat, founder of Consciousness Research Institute in Spokane, Washington. And today I have with me Justin. Hi, Justin. Hello. Justin is a member of the community and someone who is... Um, Actually, the first member of Creorg University. Proudly. <laughs> uh, first and only one so far because we haven't launched it yet. Uh, okay. Justin okay. saw my vehicle parked at a parking lot somewhere, and it had the advertising for Creorg University um, in which we learn how the mind works. Yeah. And you've just joined immediately. Absolutely. Something drew your, drew your attention. A calling. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, when you're talking about marijuana, there's somewhat of a calling in marijuana as is, wouldn't you think? <laughs> uh, I think, I absolutely. Uh -huh. I think that for each his own. Mm -hmm. but absolutely. I'm not a good example because it's related directly to what I do. Oh, that's okay. Right. Um, my belief is uh, marijuana is important um, from the perspective of nature. Uh, my belief is, is that uh, marijuana is uh, the advocate for the nature of who we are in balance with who our earth is, in balance with who our spirit is. So would you say marijuana to you is a bridge of sort? A bridge is a good way to put it. Uh, a catalyst, I think, would be another way to put it, uh -huh. um, to understand maybe some things within our journey, within uh, our suffering, uh, that maybe we wouldn't otherwise... Um, in some cases, be able to get through in order to understand uh, the true fabric of who we're meant to be. Mm. That's an excellent way to put it. I, I love it. Thank you for that perspective. I do think that... So one of the things we want to do in this podcast sure. is understand why. Oh, yes. Why is it that marijuana does that? Right. Why is it that we have these amazing realizations about ourselves mm -hmm. when we smoke marijuana? Why is it that we um, get a different perspective? Mm -hmm. What happens to our short-term memory? What happens mm -hmm. to our long-term memory? Right. Um, but let's set the tone for the topic of discussion for today. Okay. Uh, today we're going to talk about marijuana addiction. Mm. Um, the word addiction is a strong word and you know, I think we all have a different association with it. Um, I think we're all addicted to something. Absolutely. Um, but it's, you know, we don't necessarily consider ourselves 
addicts. Um, some people say that marijuana addiction is impossible. And I would say um, right here and now that this is absolutely not true. Right. right. I do believe that marijuana has very little physical uh, signs of physical addiction, but I found marijuana to be, for me, very addicting mentally. Right. Um, I do think that some people are addicted, uh, get addicted less than others. Right. And I have a lot of friends who smoke fairly regularly, mm-hmm. but don't seem to be addicted. Right. Um, and for me, in my journey, so I wanna, I wanna talk about that a little bit because I, I wanna make sure that you know. Um, so you reached out to yes. me and told me that you were trying to do a 30-day break from marijuana and you got to this point in your journey where you're struggling. Yes. And I'm going to, you know, I will want you to talk about that a little bit, but I want you to know that I'm here as someone, not as someone who, um, you know, I spe- so I, I'm a metaphysicist. I specialize in the structure and mechanism of the mind, but I'm not here in that capacity. I'm here in the capacity of someone who also struggled with marijuana addiction. So whatever I will say and whatever approach and tools I would introduce in this discussion are coming from experience. Mm. And I think that's important because there's many people out there who I I heard uh, this guru once, um, Indian guru, speak about depression, for example. And he was saying how uh, depression is like losing your mind. You should never be depressed, right? And you can tell it's someone who'd never been depressed. Of course. Because no one who's ever been depressed will say, you should not be depressed. Mm. Um, so experience is important. And so I did six years of marijuana research. Uh, and throughout that time, I also was going through a separation, mm. a loving separation from my wife, but separation not the least. Uh, and um, I definitely found myself relying on marijuana as a crutch. And at some point when I wanted to stop, I had a hard time. And so as someone who investigates the mind, I ask myself, why? What is happening in the mind when when I'm attached to marijuana this way? Hmm. And um, in that capacity, as someone who is now um, more experienced Mm -hmm. in this this realm, than I was before, I will, I will offer whatever advice I can. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great. So tell me a little bit, I want you to tell me a little bit about the struggle. Okay. Tell me about the last time you wanted to stop and what happened, what got you to that point where you said, I need to talk to someone. So I would say, so my, my journey with marijuana has been very interesting. Um, I grew up in a Christian background. Uh, where, uh, you know, we had the dare program when I was a kid and, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And marijuana is a gateway drug and (laughs) all those different types of things. Um, and I think growing up with that, um, sort of rhetoric was very, very, uh, limiting. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was very effective in keeping me from actually consuming marijuana. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually partake in marijuana for the first time until I was 26 years old. Um, I was already, you know, a grown man. I had already been, um, I was in the military. I hadn't been in, in Iraq for a couple of years. Um, in fact, this was right around the time that I got out of the military. So I had a lot of life experience by that time. 
Um, and really, I think what sort of got me into it was um, I was inquisitive. I wondered why there were people in the world, I think, who I had seen who did a really masterful job of not only reaching their greatness, but also maybe even surpassing it. And these were people who I knew for a fact would smoke marijuana, either on a regular basis or from time to time. And so I think I started to sort of wonder, is there anything really negative about um, this supposed drug, if you quote unquote drug, um, or is it more a thing that has to do with discovery? Mm. And so I decided to discover. And when I discovered the first time, I actually did not enjoy it. I had the dry mouth. Um, I think that could be uh, per the strain. I was I was either smoking or because of the quality, the grade of the marijuana that I smoked in Arizona. It, I mean, in, in that state, obviously, it's not um, a thing that's legal. It's yeah. still a thing where... Um, you know, it's very, very trivial. Um, and given that trivial quality, I think that that, that enhanced it a little bit as well for me because it felt like I was doing something dangerous. Okay? All right. So that, that part was great. After that, um, I actually didn't smoke for a little while. And then I moved up to Seattle and went to the University of Washington. That's when things changed. When I found people who were on a similar track as I was, and um, they were also doing good things in their life and trying to figure things out and but they also partook from time to time and they had no issues and so that that further immersed me in the idea of maybe there's something to discover so finally I did and I would say the moment the true moment of discovery for me of um, I would say the uh, the potential of marijuana came uh, when I got my first uh, position in um, in college athletics. So that's probably when it first started. Um, during when that, you say a position in college athletics, mm -hmm. what, were you an athlete or were you... An administrator. Administrator. Well, I was an administrator um, at a school in Iowa. Um, and I'm not going to mention the name of the school, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I was an administrator at a school in Iowa. And what was going on is I had gotten married about a year and a half earlier. Um, one of the big points to this also is I, I applied for 348 jobs coming out of college wow. after getting my master's degree at the University of Washington. And that 348th job was this job. Wow. And it was the one that I wanted. It put everything together for me. Wow. I'm very, very interested in education, very interested in sports and athletics, and very interested um, in social justice. Um, and those th three things put together were this position. Nice. And it was beautiful. Um, but what you don't always realize when you get your dream is that there are certain pressures within your dream. Mm. Um, and so um, that power that all of a sudden I had to realize my dream, I think, pushed me in a different direction. There were a lot of circumstances that were also going on during that time. My wife was pregnant. We were going through some things. Um, and Sounds so like you were dealing with a lot of stress. And there was anxiety. a lot of stress. I was working 12 hour days, uh -huh. all of that. And she needed me. And, and so, you know, I mean, you, you know, that that sort of a, a struggle of yeah. trying to be there for another person and also make sure that you're there for yourself and that you're you're living your dream to the best of your abilities. But I was the primary breadwinner. Um, and yeah, I mean, that can be a difficult place to be at when you have a certain ideology on what marriage is and, mm -hmm. you know, how things are supposed to go and who you're supposed to be and all those things. So was that the time for you where you started smoking more chronically? Yes. So at okay. that moment, 
Um, I started to to sort of go upstairs after work and, and just have my own time. And I'd go in my little man cave and I'd smoke and um, just listen to some music and wind down and all those good things. And what I started to notice was my nature started to come out, the trueness of my nature. Um, whether that was, you, you can call it positive or negative or whatever you want to call it, but I just call it authentic. I think that's really what it can kind of boil down to. So what you're saying is that you found yourself to be more authentic while being stoned or high, shall yes. we say. And um, less authentic, less you, less the you that you know you can be when yes. you are not yes. um, altered. Exactly. So this is something we'll park and come back to because we want to understand what is going on in the mind when we smoke marijuana. Why is it? Of course, I recognize that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I can relate to it as well. One of my issues at the time to say, oh, I'm going to stop smoking marijuana habitually was that issue. It's like, oh, but, but, but I won't be able to be that me that I love so much when I smoke. Right. But at some point I realized it's like, if I can't be that when I don't smoke, then, then there's a gap. Absolutely. And there's a gap. Right. But okay. So I get, I'm starting to get the picture. So, so then what? Cause, cause this smoking habitually happens to a lot of people and it's a great way. Marijuana is a great way to alleviate tension. It is. Yes. But like any other altering uh, drug, let it be sugar, coffee, um, uh, violence, mm -hmm. um, you name it, mm -hmm. even bread, um, alcohol, of course, it's, the impact is diminished over time, yes. right? Absolutely. So yeah. what happened then? So I would say after this, I started to kind of discover that... <laughs> I wasn't giving myself credit for the greatness that resided within me. And marijuana was reminding me of that. Mm. There was a lot, I had a lot of emotional struggle during that time. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, a negative thing. It was, it was me telling myself, you can do this, 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 and this. And marijuana really helped me to sort of discover ultimately the place that I could be at. So people talk about getting high, right? I was discovering my higher self, oh. the highest self that I maybe could ever imagine. And marijuana was helping my, my, creati my creativity and my imagination to be able to see this person. And so I was, I was really able, as I was smoking, to see this person. And I remember telling my wife this on several occasions, you know, I, I've, I've, I can see exactly who I can be. Mm. And it's amazing. And I want to be that. Would you say that it's true to assume, forgive me for keep interrupting, sure. but I'm, I'm picking your brain at that time. So I'm going to use different language for things that you're saying because the language you're using is figurative and mm -hmm. abstract. Right. You're talking about greatness. You're talking about higher self. Mm -hmm. These are all very abstract terms, but they're figurative as they well. Are. They are. Uh, when we say higher self, we, we, well, you know, we mean it figuratively in a way because there is no figure there is no image mm. to that higher self it's right. a it's a, even even for those of us who believe it's a real thing you know whether it's uh this entity that is um uh, crossing all incarnations mm. or whatever right? right or some people use it as the me that is 
um, that is uninhibited, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's such a subjective term, sure. which means it's figurative. Absolutely. Know, it's a figure of speech. Yes. Um, I'm going to try to put um, abstract yet uh, literal mm-hmm. language around it, right? Okay. So would you say that would you say that it's accurate to describe that during these sessions where you were smoking marijuana and seeing this greatness, this potential in you, would it be fair to say that you were ideating, you had all these ideas, narratives about, oh, I could totally do this and do that. Oh, and if I just do this and do that, this would potentially happen. And that would potentially, was it, was there a narrative in your mind that was creating and that was enticing you or was it something else? You know, I, I think it was maybe a mixture of things. I think that's definitely a piece of, of it where, um, you know, the ideology of, of who uh, maybe I could be from the perspective of, of my fullest potential was being shown to me. But I, I also believe... Can you give maybe an example so that... Because... Yeah, know. actually I can. So when I was 14 years old, my biggest dream in the world was to own an NFL football team. Okay. It's, it was the thing. Like there was nothing else. Yeah. And when I first started to, to smoke again... It was a situation where I saw way past that, where it was like, I mean, yeah, you you could be an NFL owner if you uh-huh. wanted to, or you could do this. What? Give me, give me that this. What is this? You could help revolutionize education for the American child. Mm. That's a much larger ideology. To How? Me. Can you give, like, you probably had some kind of, I mean... This knowing that you could do that was one thing, but there was probably more practical something that you saw in that moment, and you're nodding right now, which our listeners can't Absolutely, yes. See. So yeah. tell me that narrative. Tell me that, what was it in that moment, for example, that it's like, how could you revolutionize? What did you see? Did you see a voice in you that was super convincing? Did you just suddenly see your entire experience weave together into something greater than some of its parts? What was it? that was so enticing in the moment that introduced faith. Mm -hmm. I'll use that term, that abstract term, that introduced faith into your conscious awareness. I saw my action. What was it? It was me matriculating toward actually revolutionizing education for American children. So I was able to, in my mind, actually see myself doing it. Visually. Visually. Like on a stage or with... On a stage, in the classroom, mm-hmm. from the, the perch of administrator, mm-hmm. whether it be as a school president okay. or creating a school myself, yes, yes. or how to even use athletics and sports in order to help education within America. Nice. That, that's a place there where I think it's, it's, we don't use it correctly. We think that sports are all about the body and they're not. Nice. They're more about, um, I would say mind, body, and spirit uh, balance than they are actually about the body. In a way, sport is meditation. It is. Right? If you're playing basketball and somebody throws the ball at you and you're thinking about, ooh, my child needs to go to daycare tomorrow, you will miss that shot. Oh, you absolutely will miss right. that shot. It's, you know, one would say that, you know, excelling in sports is obviously practice, 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 practice. Yes. But the other piece is a function of being able to be fully present. It is. Yeah. I, I would say that, that what you're saying, it hits the, the, the nail right on the head. In terms of being fully invested in a thing, um, what we're really talking about is you being fully invested in yourself. 
in your journey, in the ideology of, of your best. Um, and I think that I was able to see that during that time. Uh, why that is important is because I haven't always necessarily seen my thoughts um, as actions um, and where that can be very difficult. Um, I think human beings have a lot of desires. We desire everything. We want for everything. And we don't always move toward actually materializing the things that we want and desire. Um, and I think that that's where marijuana comes into a point. Um, I think that marijuana, if you allow for it to do what it does, um, it can actually stimulate the thought that can help you lead yourself to the action that will allow for you to reach, um, I would say, the, the most, the fullest potential that you yourself can provide to the world. I completely agree. I think it does many other things. Um, so I want to articulate again, and for those who are listening to this podcast and are hoping to hear the tips and tools on how to handle marijuana addiction, we will get to that in somewhat the second part of this discussion, sort of weaving the picture here. And it's important because if we are to know how to handle what is happening inside the mind while we're attached to marijuana as a crutch, then we are to understand what it does within, within our mind. So what I was saying before about you going through ideation sessions that are associated with a particular, excuse me, with a particular narrative, mm -hmm. this is exactly what I meant. Right. You saw something in your mind's eye, but noticed that there was a narrative associated with it. Absolutely. I can become blah, blah, blah. And there was some kind of a bridge. There was some kind of a, um, you saw something that before, without you being altered, you couldn't quite see. So if somebody told you, oh, you could be a, a, a principal of a school or something like that, that, you know, or athletic, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Repeating all your... Absolutely. You would say, yeah, I know, I could probably be that. But in that moment, it's hard to bridge from our current location to that realization, the visceral sensation, the palpable knowing, the inner knowing, I can really do this. I see myself doing this. Exactly, exactly. And I would say that some of that comes down to our emotional makeup um, and, and how we form that within our mind. So what happens... Tell me, t tell me more about that because I want to understand what you think before you know I dive into what practical metaphysics tell us about how the mind works and what happens with when we smoke marijuana. I want to know what you think. It's like, yeah, I get it. Marijuana does that for you. Marijuana, especially, I would claim mm -hmm. sativa strains. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> increase our faith. Yes. Isn't that amazing? It is. Indiga, indiga strains do something else, but sativa strains, for most people I've smoked with or interviewed while smoking, their faith is being increased. And I'm not talking about religious faith necessarily, mm -hmm. although that is also a possibility, but faith as a concept. Now let's define faith. Okay. What is faith? Faith is the belief that something intangible, something metaphysical, actually is a reality. Exactly. And yes. so, for example, it is a reality that you have greatness in you. It is a reality that you have a dream, a potential to manifest. And it's a reality that marijuana shows you that ability. 
It kind of gives you a flavor yes. of what you can become. Right. That is faith. Right? Faith is the belief mm-hmm. in that metaphysical concept. If it's physical, if I tell you, hey, I have two hands. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see my two hands. Right. Well, you don't have to you don't have to have faith that I have two hands. You can actually see it. Absolutely. But if I tell you, hey, I can uh, lift this cup without even touching it. Mm. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> can you? You're going <laughs> to have to prove that one. have to prove that one, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know. So faith comes, faith is always associated with a narrative. Mm-hmm. And it is our, it is the logical connection, the logical bridge, the analytical bridge between our perception of reality as it is and the potential could-be narrative that is is this bridge we call faith. Hmm, okay. I totally agree. Yes. Oh, I've read enough books about incarnations and about spirituality, and now I believe in incarnation, right? right. Oh, it makes sense to me. Right. I have faith. Right. You know? yeah. Or I had a little miracle, so I believe in, you know, in a creator or whatnot. Right, right. right. Why is it? I'm asking you, going back to why, right? As a metaphysicist, I have to ask always why. Why is it that marijuana increases our faith? Why is it that marijuana, how does marijuana help us see our greater potential? What does it do in the mind? Hmm. How does it change? We can start from the brain. What does it do in the brain? Well, we know what it does in the brain. Marijuana open and closes existing neural pathways closes ones that are open sometimes, right. open ones that are closed some other times. It seems to be random. It yes. seems that we have no control over it. Mm-hmm. We do really. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, right? Uh, through intention. Right, right. But bec- why? Why is it that intention works with marijuana? What is the mechanism mm. with which marijuana changes our perception and how does it change our perception to introduce these changes and as a result to cause addiction over time, mental addiction. What mm. do you think? My thought and my theory actually is that faith has more to do with um, speaking and listening than anything. Um, I think when we attempt to speak, and this is going to sound really abstract, when we attempt to speak into the external, so anything that is outside of us um, individually, then what we're attempting to do is control our surroundings, right? But when we choose to instead listen to what's going on on the inside of us, now we're actually trying, attempting to control what's going on inside of us. And that is the true world that we can really actually control. So from the perspective that um, our emotions, most people don't believe that they can control their emotions. But obviously, if you look at the, at the structure of the brain, we know that the amygdala controls our fight or flight response. And at the end of the day, For a lot of people, that fight or flight response is instinctual. What we have to understand is our consciousness gives us the opportunity to actually know that it's there and then control it. You don't have to fight everything. You don't have to run from everything. What you can do is instead sit right in the middle of that spectrum and stay and wait. You can listen. Be an observer rather than, you know, a reactor. Exactly. We don't have to react or respond to everything. It's just not necessary. And I think a lot of times when we, when we decide, because that's really what it is, when we decide to either react one way or another, what we're doing is we put up these blocks depending on how that situation goes for us. If it doesn't go well, if, if we are heartbroken, if we are um, 
in a place mentally where we feel like uh, we just have no control and we can't do anything, mm. then that is a place where we are going to put a wall up. And that wall is what I believe that marijuana helps to break down. I believe how I, I, this would be a question for you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it it tells you it's okay. You're not alone. You know, I've got you, you know, you don't have to look outside of you because everything you need is inside of you right right now. I'm here with you. You're here with you. Right. Yeah. And marijuana has such a wonderful consciousness. And I'm I'm not sure how many folks out there understand that marijuana has its own consciousness Mm. And it, it, because it comes from this earth and because this earth has its own consciousness and because we have a consciousness and all of the things within have a consciousness, I think we have to understand how we balance out all of those consciousnesses by simply just understanding what our job is and what their job is. Mm. You know, it's not our job to do everything. It's not our job to, um, to control everything. It's really only our job to control ourselves. So you seem to be very... A self-reflector, I should say, right? I'd say that's probably pretty astute. (laughs) Um, And here you are talking in extremely intelligent terms about your um, relationship to marijuana. Mm -hmm. And you were very aware of how marijuana helped you in your journey. Thankful, in fact. Yeah, you have a lot of gratitude. Let's go to the to the mud. Let's go to the to the tough area. Absolutely. What did you get addicted to? I got addicted to the feeling that I could do something. The problem with that is, I mean, we can all do things. The point is the action there within, mm. you know, you have to actually get up and do it. And, and that's the part that marijuana can, there, there's a certain amount of comfort that you can gain from marijuana and it makes it easy for you to, what do they call it in marijuana terms? Couch lock. Uh-huh. I just sit here and just enjoy my life. But are you really enjoying your life? Or are there things that you could be doing with your buddy in tow, MJ, right, to, to make things even better for yourself? Um, I think inaction is one of, the, one of the biggest things that marijuana is attempting to get across to you that you can change. But we don't always listen to it. So that, that's where the speaking and listening thing comes in, right? We, okay. have, we smoke yeah. the marijuana. It doesn't yeah. smoke us. And so given that, that means that we have the control over how we utilize it and the Uh things that we go into because of it. And we don't always use that. We let it be in control, similar to the ways that we allow alcohol to be in control Mm. or sugar to be in Mm. control. Or, you know, you don't have to go wild just because you, you know, drink coffee. You don't have to, um, you know, be out of control just because you drink sugar. Right. You know, there's, there, there's balancing factors within you that understand how all of these things work. Um, and it's up to us to truly, I think, understand is the best word to say there. We yeah. have to understand yeah. why they exist, how we work within them, and then where the balance lies. And I think that's that's one of the places where I got a little lost. Okay. So I want to rephrase what you just said in the literal and abstract Please language. Do. Yeah. What do I mean when I say literal and abstract? What I mean when I say literal and abstract is what we try, what we metaphysicists try to do practical metaphysicist. We try to put terminology Hmm. to the system and mechanism with which the mind works. And so when we look at marijuana, we we have to be able to say, here's what happens in the mind when one smokes marijuana. Here's why we have short-term memory loss. Here's why we suddenly see our own potential. Here's Hmm. why we get addicted, right? 
And we have to explain it in a way that's logical, but using very specific terminology that sets objective ideas Mm. around, uh, sets objective meaning around ideas that are usually subjective. Right. So when we say, hey, you know, in action, action, it's also subjective, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have a lot of people who are who bust their asses, sure. but don't get a lot accomplished. Absolutely. Right? They're, oh, they're, they're doing, they're, the they're hamsters, right? Is, are you busting your ass toward what you want or toward what another wants? Right. And That's you, the question. Exactly. <laughs> and then you have people who are, you know, they have all the ideas and the, 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 the vision in the world, mm-hmm. but they're sitting on the couch doing it in their minds. Absolutely. Mental masturbation. Oh yes. Right? Oh yes. And so is there really do we fructify something? And so the idea is we, marijuana is a great catalyst, but we must fructify Mm -hmm. the mind with action in order to create something. And this is what you were saying. So when I uh, podcast with people, because I use a new language Mm -hmm. to introduce a new language around how the mind works, we as a society, humanity have not yet figured out the mind. We figured out the brain. Right. We know how the brain works to the you know the most extent that we need to at this particular point probably still trying to figure it out and we have a lot of language around the way the brain works you know the neurotransmitters and the uh, you know all the good stuff right but we have no language around the mind you ask 10 people what the mind is you get 20 different answers <laughs> you ask 20 people what consciousness is you get 50 different answers mm-hmm. right and and so metaphysicists are trying to put language around it. And the reason why it's critical, because then we can start having a discussion and understanding what happens in the mental realm of our existence, which is always metaphysical, right? Yes, it is. The brain is physical, but the mind is metaphysical. Um, When we put words around it, things start to make sense. They do. Now, as I put words into what you just said and rephrase what you just told me about action in an action, um, and going forward as we podcast... I want you to provide feedback on how how much do you resonate with what I've said. And so if you resonated with it, say 10. If you if it did not resonate with you, like if it's the opposite for you, say nah, 12. <laughs> 12. No, 12, easily. So well, 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 well yeah. I haven't said it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, I, I love what you just said. So right. I thought that's what you were right, talking about. Right. <laughs> so here, I'm going to say what you just said before. I'm going to re-articulate it in, the, in metaphysics terms. Okay. okay, let's do it. What you're telling me, well, let's before metaphysics, let's say, what you're telling me is really that marijuana helped you see the potential, but in a way also inhibited you from taking action in order to make that vision come true. So far? The first part, yes. It did not inhibit me. It did not. I inhibited me. And I, what marijuana did was take away the blindfold and showed me that my biggest issue is Justin. But hold on. If marijuana wasn't the inhibitor, then why couldn't you just, once you saw the potential, why couldn't you just do it? Why couldn't you just take the steps to get yourself, to progress yourself towards that greatness? Because for whatever reason, I am programmed either by myself or by my circumstances, which is on me, um, to not necessarily act. We all have these programmings that we um, attune to, if you want to call it that. Um, whether it be from your childhood and the way that you were, you were brought up, 
um, or just things that you've heard or, or seen or just simply believe. I would say the biggest areas in our lives that have to do with these things are, are politics and um, education. Um, religion is a really large one um, that sort of control. There's this controlling factor um, of how we do things. Uh-huh. What it what marijuana was able to do was to say, hey, so the blindfold is gone now. Now you have the freedom to look out here at this entire picture. And within your own narrative, you can build it the way that you want to build it. Mm. The point is, there's some things that you're going to have to clear away, big guy, if you really want to have the freedom that you truly want to have within um, the attainment of your goals. Like what? Um. So uh, growing up, um, you know, I, I don't have the greatest relationship with my father. That's just real. And so when I became, when I started, actually, this goes really well with uh, me coming into smoking marijuana more um, when I was at the college in Iowa. So during that time, one of the things I was going through was I was trying to figure out how to be a father, right? So if you don't necessarily feel like you have had a great example of what a father is, Uh how do you therein go into being a father? And so that, that... that idea came up in my mind during that time, and I wasn't sure what to do. And I reached out to a lot of people and didn't get very many answers. And it wasn't until I started to smoke marijuana where it was like, well, you do realize that you can find these answers um, without people actually telling you their truth. Because that's the biggest piece that people have a problem with. And people have such a big problem with just telling their authentic truth, no matter who they are. We always want to sort of sugarcoat it or make ourselves feel better as we're speaking to others or you know, whatever like that. To me, I want to know it straight. Just give it to me exactly how it is. If um, if I shoot, you know, if I'm playing basketball and I shoot 20 jumpers and I hit 10 of them, you know, that's a pretty good percentage, 50%. But if I lie to other people and say that I got 17 out of 20, right, then what am I doing for myself? I'm definitely not improving. The way that we speak to ourselves and listen to ourselves is it's imperative. In, in how we build the life that we want for ourselves. And we have to speak and also think authentic thoughts that are very much unique to us in order for us to reach for what we want. So that programming that I was speaking about before, where in church, for instance, they tell you not to do this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, at D.A.R.E. when I was in, you know, doing uh, my education um, in, in primary school, um, and they tell you don't do this, this, and this. Right? So all of these restrictions end up at a point where you have to look back at them and say, well, should I really live my life by that particular restriction or should I explore a little bit more? And that was where I was at that at that time. So you're really telling me uh, what I hear from you is that your your sort of inability to act or, you know, um, difficulty in acting, shall we say, is just who you were due to the conditioning, but marijuana sort of showed you the potential. Yes. And so I still don't understand, and I'm sort of don't understand, you know, uh, tongue in cheek, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm trying to lead us towards a particular a particular direction. Sure. But you know, I I I wanted to um, I wanted to make sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, What's the problem then with marijuana? Why did you contact me? If if marijuana wasn't an inhibitor in mm-hmm. any way, why did you say to me, hey, I'm trying to stop and it's hard. Let's talk. 
I think there's a difference between visualizing what you want and actually going out and getting what you want. Um, me and who I am naturally without marijuana, I'm a doer. That's who I am. Um, now with marijuana, I'm a little bit more of a thinker. It changes my polarity. Ah, yes. So we're hitting the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. So the marijuana is especially sativa. I think you're more of a sativa guy. I right? love sativa. Right. <laughs> so it sounds like sativa was causing you to be more in your mind mm -hmm. and this less in your body. That is your less of an action man when yes. you smoke sativa. Yes. What was happening in that moment when you was like, oh, so you, you smoke, right? And you're like, oh, fuck, I can, uh, I'll give you an example from my own life, sure. right? Um, you know, I remember a time I would smoke and I would be like, I had this amazing idea for a short story and I'm a writer. So right. like, oh, I'm going to write this. And I was like, well, I can't write it while I'm stoned. Right. Why? Because I have short-term memory loss. And so I'll try to write it and it just goes off all these side branches and you're like nodding and exactly. saying, yes, 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 right? Exactly. All these side branches, and I, but I can't write it because for me to write, when I wrote my book, It's About Time, mm -hmm. it was three months. I didn't smoke. I right. couldn't. Right. I, why? Because I had to hold an entire fucking book in my mind, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Look at this discussion. Both of us, we're not altered, mm -hmm. you know? And we have a particular... A trunk of conversation and our tree of conversation that we're holding true to. Mm -hmm. If we were both stoned right now, the conversation would just like go off and off. And there's so many podcasts where you hear people, and I've been on podcasts myself, altered. And it's like I always find that I can't maintain the topic of conversation. And I just branch off and off and off, and I never go back. Right. We can talk about why that happens, but I'm keeping us on the on the trunk of addiction. To me, the next day, when as I told myself, while I'm stoned, tomorrow I'm going to get up mm -hmm. and I'm going to actually write that short story. Right. And I, and what I would do, I would train myself to actually take notes while I'm high. Okay. Okay. Which was hard in the beginning. Right. I had to develop a few techniques. Why? Because I'm starting to write the sentence. By the time I get to the second portion of the sentence, it's like, oh, it's a short story about this guy who's sitting in a bar and it's like futuristic time after blah, blah, blah has happened and he meets this woman, but really he doesn't know that she is, uh, she already knows who he is and she sent in order to steal something from him, blah, 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 right? Mm. Whatever, short story. Right. And I'm starting to write that down. And by the time I get to the point that I uh, say he's in a bar and there's a woman my mind, because sativa speeds up the voluntary mind, mm -hmm. we can define what the voluntary mind means a little later. We will need to because we have to understand what addiction is. Okay. Um, sativa speeds up the voluntary mind, which is the narrative, the literal mind. It's the mind that tells us stories using language. Right. By the time I get to the second portion of the sentence, my mind already went in 17 different directions and I already thought of multiple branches to that story and actually other stories. And I literally cannot go back to that other thought I had that was so important to write down. Right. And so I had to develop techniques in order to take notes. Mm -hmm. Now, in my case, it was critical. Why? Because I wasn't just having a blast. I was doing research. Mm -hmm. Here I am. I'm changing my consciousness using marijuana. And for all of us who's tried it before, we know it's like, oh, you feel so altered, right. but now you have to think about thinking. And now as a metaphysicist, I have to think, so what has changed in my, in my perception of time and space? 
what what has changed in my language? What is happening when I'm trying to write something? And so not only you have to remember mm -hmm. what you thought about, you have to be able to document it. It took me two and a half years of practice in order to be able to study what's happening in my mind and to be able to take notes efficiently. Right. Right. The next day I would wake up. Guess what? I wouldn't write the story. Of course not. Now, <laughs> hold on. By nature, I'm a doer. Mm -hmm. I built this podcasting station. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I wrote a book, mm -hmm. you know, I, obviously I'm a doer, you know, I had a whole career in business that I've left. I mean, why, why is it that the next day I couldn't fucking move my ass? <laughs> and then I would spend the entire morning like, uh, just like anxious about the fact that I'm actually not doing what I thought I should be doing and then giving myself all kind of excuses and, you know, oh, Ares, it's okay. It's a transitional period and, you know, it'll come and you've taken notes. It's okay. It's in the notes somewhere. And then the afternoon will come and I'll feel a little better. Right. It's been 24 hours later. This is the mind is clear. But then guess what? Huh. I would want to smoke again. again. You got to. You got to replenish, right? right? You got to replenish. The, <laughs> What drew me, what I was addicted to, I was able to tell at some point, was the ideation. Hmm. Was this idea of creating new ideas for my future, creating possibility, probability, permutations of a possible future that made me feel good about myself. Right, right. Do you, do you, do you I totally me? Is understand. that a 10 for you? I totally yeah. understand. That's at yeah. least a 12, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I'm not losing. I'm not a loser. I will succeed. I so want to succeed. Just like you, you want to be someone in this uh, uh, athletic education space. Right, right. And when I smoked marijuana, I saw it. Right. But I also realized that for every high, there's a low. There is. And so marijuana did something to my willpower. And there was something that was happening to my desire. Mm -hmm. Two different things. Of we'll define in a second. And whatever it was doing to my will and my desire was flipping the next day. Mm -hmm. For every high, there's a low. Absolutely. And so I was high the next day, I was low. Mm -hmm. And when I was low, I had no motivation whatsoever. Right. Motivation was gone. 12. So far as Okay. So now let's talk about what happened. Because... If you and I or somebody else who's listening to this podcast is facing the same issue, mm -hmm. is going to be able to put names, to put terminology, objective terminology on what happened in the mind. The next time they smoke, when they have the high, mm -hmm. what is the high? What is that euphoric high mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, my God, uh, this is totally going to work. I will be that person. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we feel so inundated with happiness in that moment? Well, I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. Because in that moment, our, something happens to our mind. We have a, well, let's not go there quite yet. I don't want to go to the difference between abstract and, and concrete. Let's instead talk about will and desire. Okay. And we'll open yeah. the, the, the other branch later. What do you think the difference is between will and desire? Hmm. Uh, one of the big things, I think, is the difference is judgment. Interesting. Elaborate. 
So you were just speaking about how the next day, all of a sudden, you just wouldn't get up. And then you're talking, you're kind of talking trash to yourself, right? To a point like, well, why don't you get up and go do something and th things like that? It's all judgment. Yeah. It's all your, your own judgment of yourself and of your actions and of, the, of what you know that you can actually do, correct? Correct. I know that I've done this and this and this and this throughout my life. Why can't I do it right this moment? Right. And I've realized for me, judgment is one of my kryptonite. And that's just true. I realized it about two weeks ago. And when I realized that and I went directly into it, right, I started to, to figure out that it's something that has held me back for many, many, many years. Um, just thinking about what I could do better instead of actually going out and just doing and making a few mistakes and then figuring it all out and things like that. Instead, so perfectionism? Perfectionism, okay. right? And judging the idea of what I'm not getting right instead of understanding that I'm not always going to be right. So if I'm not doing it perfect, I'd rather not do it at all type of thing? Sort of, yes. But this is not your true nature because you were a doer, you are a doer when you're not smoking marijuana true. habitually. True. Right? But the question is, am I judging myself still? when I'm, um, I guess, conscious from the perspective of not smoking. And I figured out that yeah. I am. So let's park this judgment thing. Sure. Uh, because I think that some of us are more perfectionists than others. And mm -hmm. in general, just like everything else in life, I do find people to be polarized between mm -hmm. two opposites. Mm -hmm. Some people get everything done so fucking fast. I call them in my book, YZs. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to do with their perception of time. And they just get shit done right one after the other they're right. hamsters right but oh my god they're round corners they just want to get it done yep. get it done as much as possible right they're really good at getting shit done right but there's the other side of the spectrum people are such perfectionists that they take you do everything slow and steady mm -hmm. and they just want to do it right right to the point that they're not really accomplishing everything that they need to that's me and everything is <laughs> in between right? right so obviously there's a there's a golden path for all of us and that golden path in between the the milky way in between is 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 just right between doing and marijuana shifts the needle yeah. between that doing and hypothesizing on doing so yeah. it really slows us down practical metaphysics comes and tells us that the difference that it changes in our mind, again, the mind is metaphysical, is marijuana impacts our will and our desire. And so let's go back, let's park the judgment sure. for a second, because this is just who you are. You are a perfectionist. You want to do things right. right. You want to excel. You want to become a master in what you're doing. Absolutely. You want to be, you want to be a game changer. Yes. So I get that about you. Yeah. Let's park that aside because that's a piece of who you are and that will drive you towards greatness. Mm -hmm. So it's a superpower as well as an Achilles heel. It is, yes. But what's the difference you think specifically between will and desire? Define for me will versus desire. Well, I mean, desire is one of those things that we all have as human beings. I think it's actually the, the point of us being here. It seems like over the last few weeks, I've, I've heard the word want millions of times from lots of different human beings. There's, there's you know, want is just one of those things, desire. Um, I think will is the mechanism by which you can actually receive your desires, mm. but I think you have to open yourself to it. We all have our own will, but the, the question is, uh, do we utilize our will or other, or other mm. folks will? Um, do we listen to the will of God? Whose will we follow? Right. What you're saying. Whose yeah. will are you going to follow? You know, yeah. and, and at the end of the day, I think that we, we all have our own internal navigation that we can use. Um, and that is our will. Um, but we don't always do what, you know, that will says. So that's that little intuitive thought that you get 
um, if you're a writer, for instance, that um, I should release this book now. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, mm, I don't know. Right. So there's there's a desire there, obviously, for you to release said book. But your will may not necessarily allow for you to do that. And then so for me, the emotions that are within that are the things that that I pay attention to most that that balance, you know, between things, between the desire and the will. Um, how do we get there? You know, and that, that that can be very difficult. I think that you you definitely hit the nail on the head, and I'm glad you said what you said. Now I'm going to define it in metaphysics term, and then we're going to do again that zero to ten or twelve in your case. Okay, right. So practical metaphysics tell us pretty much exactly what you said, but in slightly different terms, in more objective terms. Okay. What it tells us is that desire is always involuntary and instantaneous. Mm. Desire is always present in time. Mm. Will which is always sensed as a sense of focus of sort. If you want to follow your will, you have to be focused mm -hmm. on that particular will. It's always sequential in time. Mm. What does that mean? In order to obtain something through our willpower, we have to overcome our momentary desire. You, we have to do so. If I want to write a book, I have to not smoke marijuana while I'm writing the book. If mm -hmm. I want to clean my basement... I want to have a clean basement. I desire a clean basement. I really want this basement to be clean. And I want it now. If I could snap my fingers, mm -hmm. right, and the basement will be clean, I would do it. But I can't. Of course. And so it is my willpower that would, over time, allow me to have the basement cleared. So the will has to be sustained over time. And I'll give you concrete examples. I might be desiring a burger. Okay. But have no will to get up and go buy one. Absolutely. Right? But if I want, I might go, I'm going to say, okay, I have willpower. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I don't want to go because I have a flat tire. So I'm going to go change my tire. And after I change my tire, I'm going to have to drive to the bank because I have no money on me. And, and that place is cash only. And I'm going to get some cash. And I'm going to go to that favorite burger joint of mine. I'm going to buy a burger. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. That's going to take two hours. I'm already hungry. <laughs> Don't want to do that. I'm hungry. I really desire that burger, right? And I'm going to use the word desire and not want because right. a lot of people, because of the W, can confuse want with will. Ah, you did not but okay. in, your, in your speech. but So I could do all that. And by the time I get to the burger joint, I'm no longer hungry or for some reason I no longer desire a burger. Hmm. And so desire is always presence in time. For you to desire something, you have to desire it now. Hmm. Well, yesterday I desired, um, I desired uh, a drink. Today I don't desire a drink. But will is always future-looking. Hmm. Will is always sustained over time. Will is, uh, uh, in Hebrew metaphysics, will and desire are um, the masculine and feminine essence of the human psyche. So will is the masculine essence because will is directive and voluntary. It is our will. Oh, there's a, notice that will always has a narrative. Mm -hmm. Always. So the masculine essence of humanity, you were saying how desire is like what makes you human. And then you repeated later and you said, every human has will, mm -hmm. right? So you name these two things. You said exactly what I'm saying in these terms of yeah. yours. More that abstract, happens in your yeah. mind. Practical metaphysics comes and say, listen, 
This is the mechanism with which your mind operates. Will and desire are the two energies that are actually fueling you. Hmm. Without will, you what happens when we're depressed? I don't know if you've ever been depressed. Your will is definitely low. I know that much. Uh, very low. There, actually, there, kind of your desire sort of goes down too. No desire, no will. Yeah. When we're when we're sometimes uh, actually, I would argue that there is desire when we're super depressed. Hmm. Sometimes we desire to die. Hmm. Sometimes we we desire to cuddle in bed and not leave bed. Right. Sometimes we desire to to have someone take care of us. Desire is always there. There's always some desire of sorts. As long as we're alive, there's some kind of a desire. It could be, there could be times where there's, where there's like desires almost not there, but then the desire is to not be in that state because when we're in a state when there's no desire, we just feel like, ugh, we feel icky. We feel like we're, we don't know what we want. Right. And so the desire then becomes to not be in that awkward state. So desires always, in order to desire something, you have to be present. Right. Desire is presence in time. Will, always projection to the future. Mm. Will is a narrative. It's words. I want to become, uh, what's the the thing that you want to become? Give me two, two, two words or one word, like an athletic, uh, the, like Ooh, make it abstract. Uh, uh, thought leader. Thought leader. That's, that's I want to become a thought leader. That's will. Now you have a desire in you, but right this second, you might desire to smoke a joint more than you desire to be a thought leader. Right? That's true. That's and so, true. oh, well, if you want to be a thought leader, well, that takes time. Right. Here's what you have to do. Oh, well, I don't really have the desire to go do my master's now. Mm-hmm. Or I don't really have the desire to, I have, you know, I have the desire to do something else. Or maybe I do have the desire, but I, I'm not willing to mm-hmm. do it. Right? Oh my God, I so have the desire to be on stage in front of 10,000 people. Right. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, here's what these people did to do that. Well, I'm not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there's a big difference between will and desire. And the reason I'm why I'm pushing on it is because the difference between will and desire dictates and tells us what addiction is. Mm. Addiction takes place when desire overcomes will. Mm. Yes. For us to stop smoking marijuana, mm. we have to maintain our willpower over time. Now I'm going to say something and rate it in that scale that we said. Okay. My will to stop smoking marijuana mm-hmm. was higher when I smoked marijuana. As I was smoking, when I was high, my will to stop was higher than when I wasn't smoking it. 15. Definitely. 15. Oh, yeah. So sativa, for most people, and I always say for most. Why? Because metaphysics teach us that it's always a standard distribution, which means that you always have deviance, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of a cycle. Let's not go to the, to the technical piece. It's easier when we see it on a, on a chalkboard, when we draw something. But here on the podcast, let's just keep to the, to the ideas. For most people, through my, the hundreds of interviews that I've conducted with people smoking marijuana, when they smoke sativa, their willpower increases. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, we said for every high, there's a low. There is. So what happens to the willpower when the day after, the morning after, willpower drops? Those die. Goes die. <laughs> What's the first thing that increases 
as we as the high weans off after two hours. Desire. Ah, oh, we want to munch on those cookies <laughs> or on this uh, or another joint because you know, right? Right, that's true. Desire. Yes. So there's there's a balance between will and desire, and there there are there are the same essence felt differently. One of them, desire, is this intense wanting. They're both wanting. Both will and desire relate to wanting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Desire is an instantaneous wanting that is associated with a particular sensation. It is it is tapping, if not the physical, the metaphysical energetic body. We are desiring a touch. We're desiring a food. We're desiring the desire is we're desiring um, audience. We desire success. We desire money, right? We True. desire something. But in that moment, it feels almost like a burning. It's a fiery type of emotion. It's an emotion. Mm-hmm. It is. And all emotions are always instantaneous, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, love. It's like, oh, we assume that we always have to love everyone the exact same way in the in the same moment. Love changes from ebbs and flows. It does. Yeah. I can love you and I can hate you a moment later, but I still <laughs> love you while I hate you, right? right. <laughs> and there's a million types of love, right? And love always changes. Same thing with desire. The desire always changes and it's always instantaneous. But will, will is a wanting that sustains itself over time. How do we sustain something over time? Using a narrative. Mm, okay. I want to be a thought leader within the athletic education space. Hmm. Is that is that a good definition? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a narrative. It is. Now let me ask you something. Sure. If God threw a wrench from the sky mm-hmm. and hit your head and you have a permanent memory, like a total memory loss. Mm-hmm. Let's say it'll take you a few months to get your memory back. Somebody will slap you and you got your memory back. But for a few months, you have no memory of who you are. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what the fuck am I doing in this basement <laughs> with this weird-ass looking podcasting station and this yeah. dude that looks like half a terrorist, half a, he's Middle Eastern, obviously. <laughs> Uh-oh, uh, what's my name? Oh, shit, what's going on here, right? Right, yeah. Would you have will to become... Uh, uh, a a thought leader in the um, uh, athletic education space? No, I would have the will to figure out who the hell I am. Exactly. (laughs) Your will suddenly changed because your narrative changed. Right. Practical metaphysics tells us that we perceive reality with two separate minds. Hmm. Mine is like a magnet. The mind is electromagnetically polarized which means you have a positive side and a negative side, like any magnet. Mm-hmm. And there's an event horizon in the middle that is a switch between the two. Right. One side, the, the negative side of the mind, which is the receptive, the feminine side, as it's called in Hebrew metaphysics, is always instantaneous in time. It is the part of your mind that helps you perceive reality in the moment. Okay. So, for example, think of the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Did you just see the Eiffel Tower in your mind's eye? I did. It was involuntary and it was instantaneous. It was, yes. You couldn't resist it. I couldn't. I might describe a burger to you and you can smell the burger in your mind's nose. Maybe, maybe not. Some people can't do it. Some people can. Hmm. Everybody's different, right? Right. It's always going to be instantaneous and it's always going to be involuntary. Hmm. But if I tell you, hey, Justin, tell me your relationship to the Eiffel Tower. What is your emotional relationship to it? 
I don't have one. <laughs> what was going on in your mind? You were looking left and right. You were thinking. The first thought I had was I've never been there, so I don't have an emotional relationship with it. A narrative. Came yes. Mm-hmm. What's unique about narrative that is different than the involuntary mental perception that you had when I said the word Eiffel Tower and you saw the Eiffel Tower in your mind's eye? The difference is that a narrative is always sequential in time mm. because it is always using language. It's like a song. You can't hear a three-minute song in a second. No. And in fact, a song, because it's sequential in time, if you pause it, what do you hear? Nothing. Right? Mm. So... Think of the difference between a picture and a song. Mm -hmm. A song is sequential in time. Right. It takes time to hear it. A picture is instantaneous. You look at it, boom, you get the entire thing in your face right now. Mm. And that's how the mind works. We have two sides of the mind. Now, in our mind, everything is garbled. Everything mm. is together. But when I tell you, think of the Eiffel Tower, you can feel... think it's like oh yeah these this narrative the inner dialogue mm. that is sequential in time some people can hear it in their mind's ear some people cannot can you i can all right so you can hear your inner dialogue yes the inner dialogue is sequential in time that's your masculine mind that's that is your it's a little confusing to some people the masculine mind mm -hmm. it is called very different various different things in, in mythology and in uh spirituality in uh, chinese philosophy it's the yin and yang so mm. that would be the the yin Right. Uh, the yang right okay in um uh, kabbalah it's abba versus ima which is the feminine mind in um in um ancient hebrew uh spirituality judaism as well as christianity is adam and eve mm. adam is the masculine mind eve is the feminine mind it's a mm. metaphor right, right. the right. the garden of eden is the body that's why it has four rivers there right. are four um um four um liquid not liquid the four Yeah, uh, systems of liquids in the body. Right? Okay. So on and so forth. And so I'm translating from Hebrew as I speak. The second I start talking about these things, I have to translate from Hebrew. That's so right. it's like, Take your time. And so the masculine mind, right, is always sequential in time. The, the feminine mind is always stationary in time. Marijuana, specifically THC, mm -hmm. we can go into what CBD does, changes our perception of time by speeding up or slowing down our voluntary that is the masculine mind because the involuntary mind hey think of donald trump well you just saw donald trump in your mind's eye mm -hmm. or something related to donald trump whatever mm -hmm. association involuntary and instantaneous association that came up for you right right well you can't speed it up it's always instantaneous Right. Something that is always in the present moment cannot be sped up. Mm. The equivalent would be the speed of light. Nothing can be faster than the speed of light. You saw him in your mind's eye. How can you see without light? Right? So the speed of light brought you Donald Trump. The second you've um, understood the words, you saw it in your mind's eye. Right. Okay? When I say... Um, When I say, hey, what would you like to say to Donald Trump if you met him? Mm -hmm. If you're liberal, you say, oh, I don't like you. If you're <laughs> a conservative, you'll say, hey, you're the greatest president, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe. That is a narrative of sort that, that, that comes in your mind. That is sequential in time. That can be sped up. Right. That can go slower. 
what happens when the voluntary, so we'll call them the involuntary mind versus the voluntary mind, okay? The, the What works for you as a dichotomy of names? Uh, feminine, masculine? Either, either. It's all um, the same. I, I understand what you're are saying. Are you okay yeah. with masculine, feminine? I'm good with all of it. Adam I'm, and Eve, gonna, it's all the same. Yin and yang. Okay. Yeah. Because you, because you can maintain the narrative in your mind and do the translation, but is the one that speaks to you more? Not think, really. I sort of think in pictures. So you, you said do. yin and yang, and I saw yin and yang in my head. You said Adam and Eve, and I saw Adam and Eve. Right. And I can, and I think in terms of balance. Okay. And so because of that, uh, whatever you say, I almost immediately add the other half of it into my brain. Got it. Right. Like you, you're analyzing what I'm saying, and you're creating a puzzle in your mind based on the... Okay. Exactly. Like if we were talking about uh, Christianity, and you said the devil, I'd immediately... Or uh, if you said hell, I'd immediately think about heaven on the other side. Got it. Right. So you, you always see that dichotomy. That, that yes. Okay. So to wrap up the story, what happens when we smoke marijuana? THC speeds up or slows down our voluntary mind. As a result, the involuntary mind, either if you slow down the voluntary mind, the involuntary mind takes over, indica, right. or um, psychedelics like uh, psilocybin mushrooms or LSD. Right. That's why uh, these these are so visual. Mm. Okay? okay, They're so visual and they interact with the environment. The visual interacts with the environment. That's what happens with schizophrenia. Mm. What is schizophrenia? Schizophrenia is the slowing down of the voluntary masculine mind so that the narrative is lost. And mm. the actual image of reality that's always being processed in time by the involuntary feminine mind is then receiving a different narrative that is coming involuntary. So mm. I have schizophrenia. I suddenly see huge two meter spiders climbing the walls, right? Which I just described it. You probably saw it in your mind. I eye. did. I actually saw it on the wall. You saw it right on the wall. Your <laughs> right. mind was able to add it. Now, it, it was voluntary. Well, it was involuntary because I said it, but imagine that I wouldn't say it and your mind will involuntary create it. Mm. Well, that would be fucking scary. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> That's what happens with schizophrenia. This right. balance between the feminine and the masculine mind is being shifted. And if you get to the point that you lose the narrative your mind starts creating its own narrative. Mm. This is why a lot of people say, a lot of naysayers say that marijuana causes, causes psychosis. Uh, what okay. is the definition of psychosis? Psychosis is the creation of a narrative by the mind that is detached from the actual narrative of life. Wow. Now, we all do that. Right. We all have a different narrative. <laughs> but when that narrative detaches from objective reality, <laughs> Oh my God, I think these are really spiders and they're coming to take me and the demons are all going to kill me. Oh, they tell me to kill people. I'm going to kill people, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's a problem. It's starting to impact our lives. Right. Sativa does the opposite. Sativa increases the narrative and reduces the involuntary response. Oh. So, for example, my wife, okay. uh, actually, I should say former wife and best friend. We just had our uh, wedding, uh, our marriage graduation party. Yeah. It was excellent. Yeah. Um, she is what I call in my book, a YZ mm -hmm. and she, um, um, I don't know why I had the intuition now if for those of you saying, Oh yeah, I want to read that book. It's called, it's about time and it is on Amazon. Right. And it's quite good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so YZs, they are ruled by their involuntary mind. Hmm. Smarties are ruled by the voluntary mind. Smarties are usually gravitating towards sativa. Mm. Why? Because it helps them take the mind for a run. Hmm. Oh, suddenly you have all these ideas. You're creating all these narratives. And notice that when you smoke sativa, your voluntary mind becomes in control. And the, the inner imagery 
is then become submissive to the narrative that's the inner dialogue, right. essentially, that is in your mind. So the inner dialogue goes in control. Most people I've interviewed tell me that under sativa, they see less imagery in their mind's eye. That is, they hear their inner dialogue more, the inner dialogue becomes more in control, and the imagery is actually being reduced. Interesting. Not all people. Yeah. Some people can only think in imagery, and it's never going away. Right. But I've run into many people that once they've... And next time you smoke sativa, mm -hmm. maybe it won't be for a while because you're now on a break, right? August 5th, yes. August 5th is your, your <laughs> day. You have a that's day. That's the okay, date. Okay, great. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, August 5th, um, next time you smoke sativa, pay attention. What yeah. happens to the imagery in your mind's eye? Oh, I can tell you that because I know. Yeah, it tell definitely me. increases. Increases. It all increases. Yes, but it increases... As because your inner dialogue goes faster, yes. or is it is an increasing involuntary? Mm -hmm. Do you understand the difference when I say that your inner dialogue dictates the imagery versus the imagery is coming as a response right. to well, not your inner dialogue, but mm -hmm. rather as an involuntary response. Sort of like I said the Eiffel Tower and you saw the Eiffel Tower. Yes. Right? Right. And so next time you smoke sativa, pay attention to what happens to this, to this inner imagery. Who's in control, your masculine mind or your feminine mind? Oh, right. that's a great question. Now, in Hebrew, okay, so in Hebrew metaphysics tells us that the voluntary mind creates our sense of will. Okay. Because it is the voluntary mind that creates a narrative, and will is always associated with a narrative. Remember, we said it is a narrative that attaches you to what you'll become tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I'm really interested in the education, athletic space, and I want to be a thought leader, yeah. right? That's a narrative. Right. Well, sativa increases the narrative, hence you have more and more ideas, more and more literal possibility, probabilities, permutations of the future. Notice that it always has to do with some kind of a future scenario. Every time. Mm -hmm. Versus indica... It's very hard to tell between sativa and indigo nowadays because everybody slaps a label on, you know, on whatever they want. And you can smoke something that says indigo, but it's really sativa. And so everybody true. who you give it to smoke and do a test is, oh, that's sativa. Right. Oh, it says indigo, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, what we used to call back then indigo, that is, you know, something that takes you more to the body, lowers your uh, conscious focus into your body versus raises sativa will raise your conscious focus into the mind, right? Uh, what lowers your conscious focus into the body will actually in, uh, re, uh, will actually slow down your voluntary mind, okay. and your involuntary mind then becomes dominant. Mm. You almost like you're watching a movie in your inner mind, but you're not directing the movie, but rather the movie directs you. Right. You become receptive to your mind. Right. Your mind, your involuntary mind becomes in control. Maybe you hear music and that music just keeps going. The music notice, so, oh, music is sequential in time. Yes, but if it's coming involuntary, then at any given moment, sort of like a movie, a movie is also sequential in time. Yeah. But at any given moment, that song, that earworm that you hear, a product of your involuntary mind, mm -hmm. right, is present in that time. Right, and it's it like, is. oh my God, it keeps playing in my mind. I can't stop it. Well, it's involuntary, right? And so, indigo and sativa, DMT. Mm -hmm. You know, DMT, for example, is like 
sativa on steroids. That's why DMT is always some kind of a geometric experience hmm. because the voluntary mind is geometric. It's analytical. It's like an algorithm because it uses language and it relies on analytics in order to create a story. For you to believe, for you to have faith, <laughs> we we're talking about faith, for right. you to have faith in what you will be doing in this ability to become what you become, you have to have some kind of a logical, analytical path that you see in your mind in that moment that can lead you there. Yes. If I tell you, hey, I can tell you're going to become a drag queen specialist in, uh, you know, whatever in, in Afghanistan. You're going to tell me, yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't right? see that. You but... don't see that. It's like <laughs> right. analytically, it just, you know, it just doesn't tie. Up, right. Right. Yeah. Right? right. But there's something that you see. So now, how does it all uh, uh, relates to addiction? Yes. The increase in narrative, okay, is dependent on memory. Hmm. The shift in our perception of time also shifts our ability to remember. Okay. In fact, I would claim that the only thing that changes in your mind is the ability to remember. Hmm. Why? Because memory, what is memory? We all know that memory is not really anywhere. Scientists have never been able to find where the actual memories are stored. There's no place in the brain that we can go and say, oh, I'm going to grab that particular memory of you... Um, you know, of you smoking marijuana for the first time, for sure, example, that sure. wasn't good. And I'm going to pluck it out of your memory. Yeah, in the movies, we see that. But we know in reality that scientists have not been able to locate mm -hmm. this, the place of memory in the brain. Right. So far, so good? It is. Well, does memory really exist? Mm -hmm. And when we find it, how will it be stored? Is it files like a computer? Well, obviously not. Because the brain is just essentially a bag of chemicals. Right. Where is it stored? Where is the narrative being stored? Well, in our memory. But what is memory? We can't answer a question with the same question. Right. Right? Hmm. The only metaphor I can give right now is a dark side of a planet. Okay. Every planet has a dark side. That's how memory works. If you know of something, you remember it. Okay. If you don't know of something, you don't. So if you can't see it, quote unquote, then you don't remember it. Okay. Marijuana shifts the location of the sun on your, in your inner planet of who you are. Hmm. And so your memory shifts. Sativa will cause you short-term memory loss of concrete facts, hmm. of concrete things. Indica will cause a short-term memory loss of abstract things. Mm. Okay. This mm. difference between abstract and concrete is very important to understand how the mind works. Mm. The voluntary mind is always abstract. For us to understand something analytically, we must put abstract terms around it. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. If I say, hey, how does time works? Well, time is a function of... Um, the speed of the voluntary mind. The faster the voluntary mind goes, the slower our time perception. The slower the voluntary mind goes, the faster our time perception. 
And so, you know, I'm not going to go into memory to the level of ex explaining how it works right now because okay. I, I can feel it's a whole podcast episode. Sure. I mean, the mind is has its own its own its own body of knowledge, mm -hmm. but the idea is that pay attention next time mm -hmm. when you smoke sativa, your thought becomes abstract. Right. Oh, I want to be a thought leader. Yes. You know, in the educational, you know, uh, like in the athletic educational space, for me to get these concrete steps. Of actually, oh, how are you going to get there? I had to sort of pick your mind. Right. It's like, oh. And even then when I asked you, you said, oh, I just saw myself doing it. Mm -hmm. The next day when we wake up, suddenly reality hits us. Mm -hmm. What is reality? Reality is always concrete. The concrete steps that we have to do in order to achieve what we wanted to achieve are always inundating. And what happens in that point is that suddenly we... We remember all the concreteness that needs to happen. Mm. And suddenly this amazing things that yesterday we thought was absolutely sure that's going to happen. Right. We had so much faith in it. Suddenly becomes, you know, goes in the shadow of all these, these concrete tasks that we have to, to do in order to make it happen. Right. But yesterday when we smoked that sativa, mm -hmm. all those concrete steps just disappeared. We saw the end result. We saw the abstract picture. We saw the narrative. I will be this and that. Right. But, oh, it's not that simple. I'll mm. give a, a very small example. Let's say I'm smoking sativa. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just had this great idea of a wonderful video, and I have no doubt it'll be viral because, oh, I'm going to use this, I don't know, uh, uh, I'm going to use a dildo to make a point. It's going to be so <laughs> fucking funny, and everybody's going to laugh their ass. And because we're smoking, mm -hmm. because the idea, the narrative looks so real, because I you know it's like if I saw a video like that online, I'll sure to share it. Sure. No doubt it'll be viral. No mm. doubt. Well, the next day you wake up in the morning and say, Oh, well, I need to do it. First of all, I have to I have to actually write the script of the video because in my mind I already had a script. Right. But it was an idea of a script and I didn't really bother to put it into words. And guess what? If I was trying to put it into words while I was stoned, I would have realized that it doesn't sound quite the way I, I felt it to be in my mind. Right. You know? And then when you're trying to actually write it, you realize that, oh, people might perceive it slightly differently and they might think it's grotesque right. or it's like, oh, I didn't realize that I actually have to worry about lighting when I'm <laughs> filming a video. And, right. Oh, there's a whole thing about sound and I don't even know how to edit a video, but oh my God, I had this amazing idea for a video and just yesterday it was viral. Mm -hmm. And because it was viral, I thought I had success. Mm. I thought that I knew how to get to my next phase. Right. But when the concrete things kind of land, suddenly we get a, you know, we get a hit of reality. Jolt, yeah. Right? For it's sure. a jolt. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Concrete versus abstract, voluntary mind versus involuntary mind. The change in time perception is causing us to zoom out of reality. The more we zoom, sativa, zoom out, indiga, zoom in. What happens when we smoke indiga? Most of us become more couch potato-ish. We become more present in the experience. If I actually want to not be in my head, if I want to be present in the experience, indica will help me do that, mm. right? Yeah. And I... What what happens? The zoom out versus zoom in. The equivalent would be driving a car on the highway. Mm -hmm. 
you see all these billboards flying flying by, right? Mm-hmm. But if you take off like a plane, right. suddenly the road becomes so small. You can <laughs> see everything from a bigger picture. Everything becomes more abstract. Right. But you no longer see the billboards. That's so true. the concrete details disappear. The conscious focus is is rising or going down, and so this zoom out, zoom in of reality that is that is causing that that change of perception, and suddenly that's why we see the greatness, right? Because to see the it's almost like you're living on a beautiful land, but you have no idea it's that beautiful because right. all you can see is those trees over there and that hill there, and then somebody comes and says, "Hey, let me take you on a helicopter ride," right, right, and then you're just like. Oh my God, I live on this. I didn't even know it was an island, but I'm actually in an island in the middle of the ocean and it's gorgeous. Hmm. And guess what? There's a whole plantation of banana trees on the other side of the island I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and then suddenly you feel great about it. Right. Well, the next morning you wake up because that guy landed you right back on the beach where he found you. Hmm. And now you realize, oh, fuck, I can't get to the banana plantation on the other side because... There's this huge volcanic mountain in the middle that's actually preventing me from getting into it. Right. And so this, our narrative suddenly changed. And when the narrative changed, we can become depressed. We can become demotivated. Mm. If I told you there is a diamond, this big of a diamond, Mm -hmm. it's like one of a kind. And it's buried in the backyard right next to that tree. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I drop dead. Would you be motivated to go dig it up? Of course you would, sure. right? Yeah. You want that diamond. But if I told you, hey, there's a diamond somewhere in the garden that somebody once hid, you know? It's like, and somebody came and dug the entire yard and said he didn't find it. Mm-hmm. And then I dropped it. Well, you're going to have less of an incentive, less motivation, less will to actually go dig it up. That's true. Right. Yeah. So as the narrative changes... Our will and our desire shifts. Okay, yeah, that and makes sense. Because marijuana changes our perception of time, mm-hmm. our the way we think of reality becomes more abstract or more concrete, Sativa and Indiga correspondingly, you know, uh, respectively. And our story of reality becomes different. Thus, our will increases while we smoke. While we smoke, our will is higher, mm-hmm. and when we stop smoking, it drops. Hmm. You know, true. And so yeah. we become demotivated true yeah well so um so far anything you want to add comment before we dive into tools of dealing with addiction because all that is fine and dandy but mm-hmm. like how how do we take all this information yeah and how do we how do we deal with addiction how do we deal with marijuana let's actually? let's move to that that sounds great okay yeah do we need a break uh i'm good if you're, you're good. good yeah okay so um you are on a break. I am. Until August 4th. Yes. Now, would you say that the following statement is true for you? I found that once I've made the decision to stop and I actually followed through, then it's actually not that hard. Yes. Why? Absolutely. Why do you think that is? Because I made the choice to actually make it happen. So really, addiction is a function of making a decision. Yes. Yes. Would you agree that making a decision is always a narrative? Yes. I think and I think it's intentional. It has to be intentional. Ah. I think we a lot of times we just make choices. 
which I, I try to differentiate between the idea of, of making decisions and making choices, right? What's so the difference? To me, it more has to do with the idea. So choices is like a, uh, uh, a multiple choice test. I could choose any of these things. I mean, there's only really one right answer if you look at it from that perspective. But I could choose any of these things. To me, a decision is more, um, I know the answer and I need to go toward that. Um, since, because I know, so it's, it's almost a, uh, I know better, so I will now do better type thing. But I would argue okay. that you can have two choices and they both look good mm-hmm. and you still have to make a decision even without knowing which one will work. Mm-hmm. You still have to make a decision. That's true. I, I just always feel like for me, it's more of an intuitive thing where I kind of have an idea of which I should choose just based off of the, the, I guess, uh, the details of uh, what the choices are. Mm. And so at that point, it's, okay, that one's uh, that one's not exactly for me, and I need to make the decision to go toward this one. I see. Yeah. So I think we're both saying the same thing. Yeah, I think so, I too. I think that the, the agreement here maybe would be the decision mm-hmm. is, well, I was about to say decision is a choice that we make, uh, which I guess it always is, yeah. really. I mean, they're they're interchangeable. They really are. I just think that one is a lot more intentional than the other. I think to make a choice is not as intentional as making a decision. I have decided upon this. I am going in that direction. And that is what it is. I think a choice more implies, well, if this one doesn't work out, I can always test the waters with these other ones. Well, if you have a, you can have a choice, but not make a decision. That's true. But you can't make a decision without having a choice. That's true. Because if you don't have a choice you're not really making a decision. You're just, you know, you're just responding. So So maybe, maybe more what I'm, what I'm speaking about is more the idea of the after effects of it all. So Mm -hmm. if I've made a decision, I now have to stick with whatever consequences exist within that decision. If I have choices, I can just choose something else. Mm, I love it. Yes. Okay. So, um, notice that you used the word, um, what's the word that you use? You said that a decision is always, um, you use the word. I'm trying to remember what word I use now. <laughs> um, and here we are, not even stone, and we're right, forgetting. Yeah. Right? But there was a particular <laughs> word, and when you said that word, I wanted to say, which it, it, it was, um, it was a synonym for voluntary. Yes, you've used the word. Was it intentional? Uh, intentional. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. you've used the word intentional. Uh, a choice, a decision, is a product of the masculine voluntary mind, right? We said that there's a voluntary mind and the choice is always a product of the voluntary mind because it's always using narrative. Mm-hmm. I will stop smoking marijuana. Well, how many days? 30 days, whatever, yeah. right? Okay. So to me, the problem is that when, wouldn't you agree that when we, as you said before, it's like, oh, my will to stop smoking is actually higher when while I'm under the influence. Absolutely. Because suddenly if you are starting tomorrow, I'll stop, right? And then the next day comes and you don't. So our will, our decision, mm-hmm. our ability to make decisions is being diminished because of this, this fluctuation between these two personalities, the, uh, the personalities while we're high, mm-hmm. this personality that is amazing and kind of our highest potential versus the day-to-day personality. It's like, oh, here I am back with myself again. Yeah. And suddenly my will is not that high. Right. So my ability to make a decision is not quite there. Mm -hmm. I found that um, decisions are are as strong 
as a word. Mm. And if you think about it, if you said, listen, I'm giving you my word that in five minutes, I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to run around the park, and I'm going to come back. Mm -hmm. If you respect your own word, because you've said it, you would do it. Mm -hmm. The problem I found uh, when I was under the influence of marijuana and chronically got attached to it is that I started losing the faith in my word. Mm, yeah. You with me? I could see that. Yeah. I could tell. Totally I would see say, that. I, you know, I am going to uh, take a break for 30 days. And then the next day I'll wake up and say, oh, I'm not going to start today. Well, I've already diminished the power of my word right. because I said yesterday that I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not. And over time, the power of the word, which is a metaphysical energy of sort, right? It's a, you know, you're you're powerful. You're 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 saying something, and you're like, no, there's no way I'm gonna not do this because I've said I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this. the The power of the word is being built up over time, mm -hmm. and it's only being built up because we say something and we actually do it. Mm -hmm. And I found that as the word is being diminished over time, we lose faith in ourselves and our environment losing faith in us. Yes. Because maybe our wife or a friend or the person we trust, we said, hey, you know what? I felt like I'm done smoking weed. I'm going to stop. I need to stop. And then the next day they see us smoking again. Well, they kind of lose trust in our word. Right. And when we lose trust in our own word, we're screwed. I agree. We're addicted. I agree. And so addiction yeah. is really a function of how strong our word is. If we are able to withstand, it's like, oh, I have a particular word. It's the set of terms that I say, that I say, I give my word. Let's say this is the term. I have a term in Hebrew. It's called anino der nedel, okay. you know, in Hebrew. It's uh, somewhat equivalent to I'm giving my word. Okay. Or I, I swear or whatever, right? When I say that, I really mean it. And so I'm not going to say it without mm. really meaning it right. because it's binding, right? right? I had a whole period where I lost faith in my word. Mm. And so I would say, and then I would break it. Mm. I've yeah. just lost. What is a man without a word, yeah. right? Yeah. We're only as powerful as the strength of our word because mm. the word is what keeps our willpower. I have to remember that I gave my word right. and I have to maintain that knowing I have to remember, notice how we're going back to memory, right? It's all a function of memory. Yeah. But the problem is that this conviction with which we gave our word while we were stoned mm. is disappearing the next day absolutely, because yeah. it's no longer there. Right. And so what can we do to restore faith in our own word? Mm. And the answer is we have to create a new one. Right. Yes. I agree yeah. with that hundred yeah. percent. I wrote this yesterday, and it's odd that you're, you're sort of saying this, but I think it's right around the same uh, thing. Earn what you see by doing what you say and think. Mm. That's Earn what it is. Earn what you see by doing what you say and think. Yes. It, it, that literally exactly is, is kind of who we are. That that right there to me is the balance between desire and will. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. And so for the struggle... You know, here's one tool, and you know, I think as we come back, let's introduce more and more tools. And there's, I can think of at least ten different tools to deal with marijuana addiction right. uh, over time. But here's the tool of the day. 
of, of, of this particular podcast. Okay. Cause I can tell I'm starting to get tired myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, recreating the word is actually easier than we think. We have to decide on a new set of words. Literally, I'm talking literally abstractly, but literally choose a new set of yes, words. Totally agree. So for example, for you right now, what would be the words that you would choose? And maybe you have to think about it, but maybe it's something that comes to you right now. Words that you've never let down, right? They have to be new. And these words from now on, as a decision, and you're making that decision when your mind is clear, so hopefully you'll remember it, right? Mm-hmm. These words are your words. They're what they are the focus of your will. Yes. They become the focus of your will. I've got them. What are they? Focus on the inside. So how help me understand that in a sentence how that how that binds you if you say i'm not going to smoke for 30 days mm-hmm. uh focus on the in if you say the words focus on the the issue i have with it i mean great these mm-hmm. are your words and if it works for you association wise then wonderful yeah. but to me it wouldn't work because i don't think my mind will be able to associate the words focus on the inside mm-hmm. to i've just gave myself my own word right how, do you understand the... My word is about me. It's about my journey. It's about my will. It's about my desire. Um, it's not about the external. It's not about what's going on out here. It's about what's going on inside. Um, so that the focus on the inside to me means more um, the idea of promising to myself and then earning what I believe... Mm-hmm that I deserve, if you want to call it that. I want to push back sure. and say that while these words are creating at this particular moment in time, the association to the commitment that you're making to whatever you're, let's call it swearing mm-hmm. to yourself to do. Sure. Okay, It's also meaning a lot of different things. Hmm using the words focus on the inside is is very abstract. And so it means so much. It does. And so it would be helpful for you to choose words that are uniquely reserved mm-hmm. for when you are making a promise to yourself that you will not break no matter what. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to use these abstract words that you've just given me, then you're hijacking them from being used in every other scenario. Is do you understand what I'm saying? Give me an example of that. Like for example, um, um, you are you are saying to yourself, "I have a big job interview next week." Okay, I'm I'm in a smoking period right now. I really don't want to smoke. So you're gonna say, "Focus on the inside." I'm not gonna be smoking for a week. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. It'll help you because you said the word. You know that the second you uttered the words, um, you know you're 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 not doing it. Mm The saying of the word is the act, is the swearing to the self. Sure. Yes. But, then, you know, let's take a whole different scenario. Uh, your son is uh, asking you a question or a friend is telling you something about, oh, I can't quite be happy. Mm-hmm. And I can't quite, what is happiness? And you say, oh, well, focus on the inside. Mm-hmm. Or suddenly you're using these words in a different connotation. What I'm saying is, that you pick a set of words that mean only specifically you, I am making a promise to myself. Mm-hmm. Me, Justin, am making a promise to myself. 
it doesn't have to be these literal words. It could be abstract words, but I would choose words that are reserved then mm-hmm. for only that particular um, action, the mm-hmm. action of making a promise to thyself. And they will not be used. I will never say, Ani noder neder, whatever I said before in Hebrew. Sure. I will never say it unless I'm about to make a promise to myself that I cannot break. Right. And so if my words to make a promise to myself are, I am hungry. Well, it. let's say when I say I am hungry, it creates this associate. I'm hungry for, for my word to be powerful, right? Okay. Yeah. But if I'm just saying I'm hungry, then every time I'm saying I'm hungry, mm-hmm. I've, I've diminished the value of the word because I haven't used it within that same connotation. Hmm. Are you with me? I am, yeah. And so I would push back and I would say, think about it. Create a set of words that you will reserve only for this scenario, only for this moment, only for these times mm-hmm. when you are promising something to yourself. Right. Words that would otherwise not be used nor mean anything else mm-hmm. in any other scenario. Hmm. Okay. Do you see do you see where I'm going? I with do, this? yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot the, of sense. Yeah. Okay. And then those words are reserved to you. And over time, you start they they start accumulating their own energy because they say, oh, anino der neder, you know, these words I say in Hebrew, anino der neder, that tomorrow I will clean the house. Right. Because, oh my God, I wanted to clean the house for so many days mm-hmm. and I haven't done it. So I'm going to start building the power of my own words slowly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say tomorrow I'm going to clean the house. Right. Well, the next day I wake up and it's like, oh, I don't feel like cleaning the house today. True. But I give my word. Right. I said... You know, so for example, let's say you added to the words, um, how did you say? Focus on the inside. Focus on the inside. Let's say, say, focus on the inside word. What if you added that word at the end? Or focus on my inner word. Hmm. Oh, suddenly it gets a, you're never going to use that when you're uh, telling a a friend to be happy. Right. 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 Let's say, oh, I'm focusing on my inner word. I will clean the house tomorrow. Well, you wake up the next day. You no longer have a choice. Mm. Do you know what happens? Notice the words. You no longer have a choice. Why? Because you're not going to break your own word. That's true. The word is valuable. It has value. It accumulates its energy by being fed (laughs) with your success every time that you satisfy the word. Right. So you get up and you say, no, I give my word. I'm going to clean the house. Right. By the end of the day, after you finish cleaning the house, your word... um. See, I have a hard time remembering yours. Focus on the inside. Focus, yes. on the in, uh, focus on my inside word or focus on the inside. It doesn't mean the same anymore. Mm. Why? Because you, I've just cleaned the house. Mm-hmm. And so the word got a metaphysical energy associated with it by the power of me standing by my word. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. You do it again. Mm-hmm. You do it again. You do it again. And you always make sure I will never break my word. Right. And over time, your words your special word that is the promise to the self becomes so powerful that even when you say, I will not smoke for 30 days, you will not break it because you know what's going to happen when you break it? You've lost everything. Right. You lost all that effort, all these times when you really didn't want to clean the house. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost like the, the word, your specific word is this battery that you keep charging through action. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
And this, my friend, is why it's sometimes so easy to stop smoking marijuana after we made the decision. Mm. Because we no longer have a choice. If I've decided, and in my mind, that decision, I don't have it. Let's say you travel. Mm. You just travel to, uh, uh, to Saudi Arabia, to Dubai. Right. And you know, it's like, oh, for three weeks I'm going to be there. I don't have pot. I'm sure it happened to you that you traveled and you knew you have no access to marijuana. No, actually, I haven't had that happen. Really? Yet. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I think I just sort of assume that there's not going to be a part of the of the narrative while I'm on vacation. Oh, so that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. you've traveled before and there was no marijuana, and you just yeah. assumed that you didn't have it. Mm, I and, wasn't really too worried about it. Exactly. Yeah. How is that possible? How is it possible that when we travel and we know we're not going to have access to marijuana, suddenly we have no difficulty detaching from it? <laughs> Which means that it's the choice of smoking mm -hmm. that makes it hard for us not to smoke. Hmm. It's the availability, it's the narrative that we can smoke mm -hmm. that introduces the possibility, therefore diminishes the decision not to smoke. Hmm. I, I believe I agree with you. I think one of the things is so that's where I believe the will piece comes in, right? Because I think yes, you're you're correct in terms of of it diminishes, you know, that, that sort of thought process around smoking, but there's still that moment when you're just about to light up where you have that decision to make still, right? Like even if it's in your, in your fingers, you still don't have to do it. And then at that moment, it's kind of about, am I going to, or am I not? Right. Most times I think if we, if it's here, you've already chosen. You've already it's, chosen. It's, it's it's, in your hand. The, the decision right. has already been made. Right. Because yeah. you're going to find a way to convince yourself exactly. why you should smoke. So that's where I think that my, my term focus on the inside sort of comes in. If I'm here oh. with, right. Yeah, if yeah. I'm here and then I check my values again, I may actually put it down. Okay. I understand. Right. I think we're talking about two different things. I think what you're describing is this way to recenter yourself yes. to an idea, an abstract idea of something that you want that would guide you towards your willpower, which, as we said, is always futuristic, yes. always and of who I am. And I think that's are. a big piece. Yeah, because a lot of the reason why many people smoke, if we're being honest, is because they're not a hundred percent sure who they should be. Maybe. I think that's a big declaration. I know. And we have to ask a lot of people why they smoke. Yeah. I think that some people, mm. um, some people, like uh, essentially seeking purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Could we're be. All, we're all looking for that in some way. Yeah, could you be. Know? Um, could be. Could be. Absolutely. I think that, okay, so, but I think that what you're saying is that these words kind of bring you inward. Yes. And that bringing inward helps you focus on your will rather than the immediate external desire. Yes. Desire is always external. Yes. Will is always internal. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Excellent. Yes. I get that. Yeah. I think what I'm saying is as a technique, as a tool, mm -hmm. um, yes, we can find a set of words to bring us inward which you've chose already. And it might be a system that works for you. It might be the tool that you're introducing. Right. I think it's slightly different than the tool I'm introducing. So yeah. we really have two different tools which here. Which is great. Which is great. <laughs> Tools right? are wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> we already have two. One from you, one from me. <laughs> the tool I'm introducing is a lot more, it's almost like, uh, it's very literal, mm -hmm. right? It's very literal. It's like there's a very specific word that is reserved to my inner sense of commitment right. that I am swearing, I'm promising something to myself and will not 
be broken. Right. If I'm, God forbid, under a gun to my head mm -hmm. or somebody's torturing me and I gave given my word that I will not do something, then I will not do it because right. I've said those words. Exactly. I, mean, I can build it to that level. Right. You know? Yeah. And so I think I think the common denominator between these two tools, the the tool that helps us that that helps us eliminate the choice. Right. Because what you the versus the tool that you're saying bringing us back to make the right choice yes. in that moment, mm -hmm. I think that would be the difference between the two tools. Yeah. The tool I'm introducing, allowing us to eliminate the choice whatsoever. Right. I don't have a choice. Right. I can't break my word. Exactly. Period. Because I've right. decided. I think what you're also speaking to is the idea, like your voice obviously is very, very strong. The, the voice that you have to be able to say, I, I want to be able to say what you do. Well, what's your, 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 uh, your wording? Um, how do you say it in Hebrew? You're going to teach me that. But, <laughs> but I think your voice to be able to say that and commit to it yes. is maybe stronger than others' voices, right? Could be. Sort of like I can see certain things in my head like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And maybe you, and you told me certain other folks can't see that, right? True. So I think another tool here is the idea of actually building your voice. Do you know your own voice? Mm. You obviously do, mm. right? But I think a lot of people are not 100% sure on which voice is theirs and which is everything else in the universe. Yes. You know, yes, so. Yes, 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 absolutely. And I think what I'm, the idea I'm trying to convey mm -hmm. is that your inner voice, mm -hmm. like everything else, well, voice means a lot of things. You can also develop an acting voice. Or oh, yes. A singing voice or a storytelling voice, right? But yes, there's also the uh, decision-making voice, mm -hmm. you know, let's call it the... Um, well, there's many things we can call it, but sure. it's 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 somewhere inside of us. Um, in practical metaphysics, it's called the in the voluntary mind, the right. masculine mind that makes a decision and sticks to it mm -hmm. until the decision needs to change. Of course, right? right. Um, I think that what I'm saying is that if we practice and fuel, fructify those words, very specific words that we choose through action. Mm -hmm that is repeatedly um, satisfying the decision that we've made using these words, right. then the word itself gains value. Oh, yes. The word itself over time becomes so meaningful to us, right. and then we don't want to lose it because sure. it becomes the most expensive things that we, we, we have because we've accumulated it by suffering. Hmm. By doing it again and again, even even we've overcome the desire again and again and again, and that word, this anino dernedel, has become the tool itself. It's metaphysical. I can't pass it to you. You can't steal it from me. Right. It is invisible. If I write it on a piece of paper, it's just like yeah, whatever. Who cares, right? right? Let's translate it to English. I swear. Let's right. say I I give my word. Simple, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Oh well. You can have three people, uh, 10 people, 100 people tell you, I give my word, and each one will mean it differently. It sure will. I'm and what we're saying here, you can fuel it with power by starting slow. I give my word that I will not smoke marijuana this afternoon. Right. I remember this one time I was at that that point where I was so just smoking out of habit. Mm -hmm. I didn't even want it anymore. Yeah. And I was smoking out of habit. And I remember this one afternoon I said, Eris, 
you know, I was like beating myself up. It's like, oh, really? I, 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 do you want to tell me I can't stop smoking even for one day? Well, of course I could, because if I would have traveled somewhere, just I would have just fine, right? <laughs> but I didn't want to. Right. And I had the choice, and I had a ton of marijuana in the house. So, right. you know, I would, well, not ton, but you get my point. I yeah, had sure. a lot of options. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, it's like, oh, only this afternoon. And then I felt like shit mm. because if I have to promise myself I'm not going to smoke this afternoon, mm. what does that say about me? Right. Am I, oh my God, I'm addicted. Uh, me? Like I never thought I could get into this situation. Right? Right, right. And then you start building a narrative in your mind that's even more self-diminishing and it's even more depressing and more scary. Right, right. But when you realize that these things are like muscles, just like in athletics, mm -hmm. right? We have to train them again and again. And I've allowed my voluntary mind to become submissive again and again using marijuana. I've allowed it to lose the power of my own word, the power of my own decision making. But I can retrain it like a muscle. Mm. It's okay. Right. It's okay to start with an afternoon. Mm. And then grow. It's like I remember in 2015, I haven't smoked even one day. I took a break for a year. Wow didn't even have a, a, a hard time. Hmm. I've lost my word, uh, let's say 2000, just when my marriage started dissolving, right? right? Yeah. It's like there was obviously some kind of an escape I needed. And yeah. so I wasn't supposed to stop smoking because it really helped me through a rough time. And yet I was like, well, I feel like I'm so attached to it. And then that required me, that sort of pushed me to to want to stop right because it scared me that there was this attachment hmm. and so totally understand yeah. <laughs> totally and there goes that parked car of judgment again yes right yes yeah yes. judgment right. is yes. so big and, and we'll leave it parked but it's it's so big and once we realize that it plays such a large role i think that that's where all of a sudden we have the opportunity to make some new decisions yeah, yeah. um how long have we been going? About two hours. Oh, wow. I, th I, I think it's a good time to wrap it up. We can do that. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. So there's a lot of different tools to deal with marijuana addictions. There's writing tools. Absolutely. There is, you know, uh, I, I, I think that maybe next time let's talk about what addiction is. Definitely. Let's talk about um, the importance of naming addiction hmm. when, when it takes place yes the importance of understanding that it's not um something to be embarrassed about because everybody's addicted right uh, and we need to stop yeah. acting like we're not yeah exactly because <laughs> that in whatever not area. helping yeah. us yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well, i mean we can be addicted to our health mm -hmm. you know absolutely yeah there's people who are addicted to working out you know yeah. I, I know folks who who go to my gym three times a day and it's like is that how do you yeah. even how do you even keep your strength yeah, and how yeah. much do you eat yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's i think that we can be addicted to it a number of different things as, as you were saying a little yeah. bit earlier and i think it's up to us and I, and I love being a part of this podcast and sort of demystifying the idea of all of these different things marijuana yes. is a thing obviously that has needed to be demystified since they decided at the beginning of the 20th century that they were gonna you know demonize all these people yes. quite honestly because of it but i think to just simply say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you're you're addicted to this thing or go into it, uh -huh. understand it. Yes. And then after you go into it and you understand it, now think about it more critically, 
right? And then figure out what part of it is really you and what part of it may actually have something to do with something totally different that's maybe outside of you, you know, but that's really all it is. I think that the, I think that the, the intensity that we give to the idea of trying to create ourselves into these perfect beings who don't do that thing that that person doesn't mm-hmm. like over there. Mm-hmm. It is just, we're, we're really taking away from ourselves and we don't understand how that really affects our mental state and our emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, when we personally do it, it's not the, the, it's not another person's persecution of you that matters the most. It's yours of yourself. So I love being a part of this. This is great. And I Excellent. appreciate you. Yeah. you bringing yeah. me on. Much more to talk about when it comes to addiction. Absolutely. Much more. Thank you for, for all your valuable perceptions and um, just the unique uh, view that you have Thank on you. everything. You know, we both, both of us, yeah, like everybody else, we used very different languages to oh, yeah. describe our inner worlds. And I think that's important. I, I, I would want to talk, when it comes to addiction, I would want to talk about the cycle of addiction. Mm. And about that place that we get to at the end of the road where we feel self-disgust, right. not just mentally, but physically. Right. And literally, our body gets to a point that doesn't want to do that anymore. Right. I want to talk about the idea of leaning into the desire, mm. uh, which is actually a technique to mm. uh, let go of addiction. Okay. Uh, it's a great tool. Right. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh was t- t- uh, talking about that uh, when it comes to alcohol, and I think it works really well with marijuana because there is no physical addiction and only mental addiction. And so leaning into it, leaning into that desire consciously and mindfully, making sure that we're not uh, having uh, consequences, yeah. documenting things. And I'm sort of naming things that I want to talk in subsequent um, episodes. But uh, documentation, journaling is critical. Mm-hmm. I found that I, I've done... Uh, um, a test for two weeks, documenting every day, every time, writing the hour and writing what I'm doing. And every time I had a thought about marijuana, I wrote it down. Mm. And every time I smoked, I wrote it down. Mm. And it was an amazing discovery of how my mind was working, how my mind was shifting between will and desire. How many times in that journal it says, I, oh, I, I feel like I'm smoking too much or I'm dealing with the idea of smoking marijuana versus doing something else right. while smoking marijuana, right? Yeah. So my mind is, if your mind is occupied, mm-hmm. I will say this, if your mind is occupied by the by the mere abstract fact that you're smoking, mm-hmm. oh, how much did I smoke? Am I smoking again? You already have crossed the line towards addiction. Agreed. You've already yeah. relinquished your willpower to the desire, which means that you've already are bothered. Your anxiety, the same thing that you're trying to eliminate using marijuana, your anxiety is now is ruled by the fact that there's some other force that's controlling you, which is this desire right. to escape. Right, right. Yeah. Love it. Hmm. So, excellent. Yeah, um, this is great. Thank you, Justin. Um, thank you all for listening. If you stuck with us this far, um, if you have any comments, if you have any um, experiences that you want to share about your own addiction, please do so on our Facebook page, How Marijuana Works. Uh, I believe that the alias is um, How 420 Works um, because uh, Facebook does not allow us to write the word marijuana <laughs> for some reason. Um, thank you for listening to Decoding Cannabis. Um, 
this uh, this session was interviewed on July 9th, I believe. See, it's smarties. We don't remember the uh, dates. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Decoding Cannabis is brought to you by Consciousness Research Institute. I can't see. No glasses. What July do you see? 8th. July 8th. Mm -hmm. It's July 8th. Monday. Right. It's Monday. Monday, July 8th. Um, Decoding Cannabis is brought to you by Consciousness Research Institute in Spokane, Washington. To learn more about Consciousness Research Institute dedicated to making sense of the human mind, go to creorg.institute. That's C-R-I-O-R-G dot institute. No need for dot com or dot org or whatever. Just creorg.institute. To join Creorg University, um, you can go to creorg.university. That's simple. And to visit our uh, YouTube channel, go to creorg.tv. Um, what else? The music for this podcast was created by Andy Rumsey. To hear more, go to andyrumsey.com or search for Andy at iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, or even Spotify. Inform Spokane, Washington. I want to thank you, Justin, for being here and sharing your experience. Um, next time, I would love for you to come with a story hmm. that is a little embarrassing to you. Oh, easy. About, <laughs> about that relates to marijuana addiction. Okay. And I'll bring one we'll too and, and we'll kind of share it and do that. That's great. From Spokane, Washington, this is Erez Batat wishing you the best. Smoke responsible.